0: Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve.
1: As I said, my name is Liliana. I live in San Diego, California, where I was born and raised. And again, my sobriety date is November 26, um, 2009. Um. My actual story with, in my relationship with SA, Sexaholics Anonymous, began in 1983. From 1963 to 1983, I had been diligently searching for, I had some problems. I didn't know exactly what they were, but I I had some issues and I didn't know what they were. And I diligently searched for this through many forms, through Therapy, workshops, books, human potential movement. And, um, you know, through God, you know, the the faith that I had grown up in. And I I searched out through other religions also. And it wasn't until uh, 1983 that I read uh, an article by Dear Abby. Where she featured Sexaholics Anonymous. And. Just reading that article, it told me what my problem was. And I immediately wrote to uh, Simi Valley, and eventually they sent me a package of information. At that time, um, the only meeting available was in West L.A., about 120 miles from my house. And I ascertained from the reading that I had done that I would be going 120 miles to be in a room with a group of men. And I really couldn't figure out how that would be helping me at all, uh, especially since I had a beaten up Volkswagen. Uh, so I was very involved in my church. And so I thought, well, now I know the problem. I'll just tell God and God will take it away. You know, so that's that's what I did. I proceeded to do that. And. um, <clears throat> And I got more involved in my church. Because, you know, I was on a mission now to become completely healed. And I, I would continue to read books about this uh, thing, sex addiction. Uh, and I had heard through the grapevine that um, SA had come to San Diego. And finally, in March the 7th, 1989, I walked into SA for a newcomer's meeting that was full of I was the only woman at that time in a room full of newcomer men. And um, the presentation was very, very well done. So I, um, they invited all of us to stay for uh, the meeting afterwards, to, and which I did. And during that meeting, I said to myself, I will never have to masturbate again if I keep coming to these meetings. Never. And so, um, so that began my my uh, story of um, in my pro, you know my ongoing um, coming into um, essay. You know, and I think essay Psychological anonymous is a very difficult thing to dive into. At first, I admire people who can do that, but I think God in is Infinite Mercy guided me to um, Al-Anon and to OA. So I was already in those two programs. I started that in um, October of 1985. So I had a little familiarity. It wasn't so scary to go into uh, an SA program. So I I thank God for that. And uh, currently I still work uh, basically three programs. Um, and before I go on with my essay story and starting from 1989, I want to just tell you a little bit about my background and how I probably, uh, became a sexaholic if I wasn't born with it, because it is generational in my family. Uh, it comes through, you know, just like any other addiction, it comes right through the generations. As I said, I was born in San Diego. I, um was the oldest of eight children. My mother was 17 when I was born, and my dad was 21. And they had just moved here from rural Colorado. They were both born on farm, raised on farms. And um, so, and it was in the middle of World War II. So that's, that's what I came into being. And they quickly had quite a few more children, eight in all finally. And we always had relatives living with us. And um, for now, I'm very grateful for that, mainly because they could behave themselves better with other people around my parents. So anyway, um, I had a traumatic event happen when I was about five, um, when the whole family extended family were together. And my dad um, in front of them all, he, um, you know, punished me physically. Because, you know, I I didn't know what word that was so bad that I said, but I said a bad word. So anyway, I was punished. And so inside me, I think I separated from my family at that point. Something inside me psychically, emotionally separated uh, from this family, um, from that uh, early uh, trauma and humiliation. I don't know if I was already set up to be a sexaholic, but uh, I think it started to feed um this thing called um sexaholism um I went to parochial school so you know I started learning about God which was good for me and um and then um I had a few relatives that were just visiting for a short time and a couple of them molested me and I think this help feed this addiction, uh, I think I was more uh, fascinated by the sensation that it, I felt than anything else. I'm glad they only had a brief visit because, you know, who, who knows what could happen. Um, and, you know, I proceeded to, you know, do, um, I, I think I was validated with my family if I met the family's needs, if I met the needs of my parents, but I wasn't validated for who I was. So by the time I became a teenager, I was in fully set up to be rebellious and I had no idea what resentment was but I'm sure <laughs> I had plenty of it stored up so I um, I became sexually active when I was almost fifteen with a boyfriend and um, and so uh, then it was. Um, Because, you know, the fear of pregnancy, um, after I broke up with him, I was afraid of uh, that. And so I white knuckled my impulses as much as I could. So my teenage years were generally miserable. uh, But I kept hoping for a better (laughs) opportunity, you know, something better in the future. Then um, I um, decided I, if I went to college, you know, this would help me. So after a year, of course, I flunked out, and I I begged I begged them to let me try again. So they did. And about this time, also, I met my boy a boyfriend who would become my husband. And our relationship, since we were both pretty down, you know, became very much of a dependency relationship, with sex, of course, involved. But anyway, when, when I got finally thrown out again at school, I um, and he was also not doing well, our solution was to get married. And we we did promptly have a daughter. Um, She's a very lovely person. Uh, so I think what happened is uh, I was going along, and I was trying to become a mature person, so since... So I used, at that time, food in order to uh, cope with any stress that I had. Well, my bubble busted when um, I was about 24. Uh, My younger brother was killed in Vietnam, and um, I, I just had a hard time with that. I got, you know, very depressed. And the way I handled grief in my last year of marriage is I had three affairs, and my solution to that was to get divorced. Um, so anyway, then I became a single woman in pursuit of her continual pursuit of education and raising a daughter and, and trying to have a career. So that kept me pretty busy. But at the same time, you know, I was able to um, the world in my world anyway, California world. Sex was acceptable. You know, you can have sex casual sex. So um, you know, so th- that opened up casual sex to me. And then um my bubble busted again when I um about five years after my divorce, because I became pregnant and I had an abortion, and that's when I fell pretty down. And <clears throat> So, sex, you know, kind of lost its casual sex, lost its flavor for me. And then by the time um, 1980 hit and then we had the AIDS epidemic, I thought this was not going to be good for me. Um, So, I I, there are articles about masturbation, and I asked a few women friends about you know, what they knew and experienced in masturbation. And they told me, oh, it lets out the tension and we only do it occasionally. So I thought, wow, that's my answer. Well, little did I know that maybe it was their answer. But for me, with my vivid imagination and the fantasies that I had to produce during um, masturbation, I was um, completely down, you know, there I was, I was slowly caught up into that web of lust and I, I certainly uh, didn't know how dangerous it was at that time and, and kind of contributed a lot of my happiness because I had been to therapy, you know, like I grew up and blah, 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 you know, all the ups and downs and rejection and that kind of stuff. So um, anyway, I, um, that, was, that took me on, on the road to um, masturbation. At the same time, I turned to God for my misery and um, started to become active. This was about 82 in my church. And, um, and then I figured out this is 83. I figured out and I, I really needed to turn my life over to God, which I had I created a ritual and I did this during uh, the Easter season of, of 83. I turned my will and my life, well, I don't know about will, but I turned my life over to God. And I don't think it's any coincidence in a week or two later, the Dear Abby article came up about Sexaholic Anonymous. And um, the other thing I made, you know, I made many mistakes in my life, many, many. Um, But um, one of the other mistakes I made is I thought once you turn your, your life over to God, you only do it one time you know, I didn't know you needed to do it every day. So anyway, um you know, I was on a roll, you know, of being healed. And um I think the God of my understanding, the God of who has who loves me and has tremendous mercy for me, you know, didn't heal me because he knew what a sick person I was and I and I needed I needed to be able to talk about these this these um this thing called sexaholism, sex addiction, lust. So now I'll tell you about what happened to me in Essay. That first meeting, there was another woman that had been there a couple months before I had been there. So she became my sponsor. And so I'm very grateful for that. Um, But, you know, and my whole meeting today, and it's been my whole meeting for quite a few years, we read the acceptance prayer and in the acceptance prayer, it says, until I could accept my sexaholism, I could not stay sober. <clears throat> so like I have made mistakes. So what happened is the one thing I did right was that first meeting. I also said. I'm going to keep coming back. I don't ever want to masturbate again. I'm keep. I'm gonna keep coming back, and um, and that was the one thing I did right. So anyway, um, in my little naive world, I thought, well, you know what? For I'm gonna be the exception in these in these rooms. I'm gonna be the exception. God is gonna completely heal me of this, and then I could leave. You know, I'll be completely healed. And uh, that didn't happen after I gave it a year. Then I thought, well, a year and a half, a year and a half tops. Well, basically, I was um, technically sober, but I wasn't recovering. So I uh, started, which I didn't even know about. I was starting to build a little resentment about SA because they weren't doing their job Right. Otherwise, I would have been completely healed by now. That is my own naivete. I confess to it. I've always been this way. I hope to someday recover from it. But so far, no good. It hasn't happened. Um, so what What I did uh, is I knew I had to keep coming back. But after about uh, five years in SA, SA, I decided it was time for a relationship. Uh, so... There I went, and I got involved with somebody in SA, and it quickly dissipated. But it did. uh, I did spend. I did quickly also go over to uh, Essanon, and um, in a way, I was secretly hoping to find out that I was really an Essanon, really, really, not an SA, really, really an Essanon. But that didn't happen. Uh and as um that relationship really was another dependency relationship. So then I got on another role. I um my sponsor at that time died when I was in SA, she died. And um it took me um a couple years to get another sponsor where we could do the steps. And I started going to internationals because I, I was on another role. You know, I started going to internationals, you know, and I and I also was more active in my uh, home, um, my home groups, you know, the, in the inner group and one day conferences here in San Diego and even did a, some prison ministry. And, you know, I was I just did what I thought I, I could do, you know, um, for my own recovery my own uh, uh, sobriety. And um, then about 2006, my mother died. And we had always had kind of a, cont- you know, contentious content- a relationship with tension. So I was hoping, again, uh, that my higher power would help me come to terms with that, but it didn't happen. She died. And um and something, you know, again, grief, I whatever I could I I um acted out by thinking I ran into somebody uh from my neighborhood that I grew up in and decided that I needed another relationship. Because all along, you know, one of my issues has been loneliness and isolation. And I thought, wow, you know, this would be great if we could have a relationship, you know. Um, <clears throat> and, um, I, I didn't know that I met up with another dependency relationship. And when I realized that I said, well, maybe we could only be friends. And even though, you know, maybe this will forestall some of my loneliness. So, um, you know, the last year, of that relation, it lasted three years. I said to God, Please help me get out of this relationship. I'll never do this again. I'll, please help me. You know, because it was just too hard for me to say to Him, um, I don't want to see you again. I don't want you calling me again. Ever, you know. <laughs> and finally, I, I mustered up uh, um, the courage after my our last uh, acting out together uh, to um, call, call him and tell him i i would, I did not want to see him anymore and um and then I forgot to mention neither call me so anyway, I finally had to write him a letter in case he couldn't remember not to call me also. So, um, again, you know, it was humbling, but I, you know, I still was going to meetings all these three years, very humbly, humiliated. But, uh, now it was back to uh, doing my program. Um, my, uh, one of my sponsors, you know, that we did the, we did the steps together. She left FA, FA and the other one that I got afterwards, I could only contact her, contact her by letter. So, um, what what um what I did was um co with this fall, you know, my sobriety, I um five minutes me and my, I gotta... thank you, me and my another member um co sponsored each other. And it was a very wonderful relationship. February two thousand nineteen, she died. And I knew I knew that um It was a gift from God. She was a gift from God on temporary loan. And then I heard about in in November, I started hearing about this SIM SIMS uh, one day thing. I didn't really know much about it, but I thought, you know, maybe I could connect with other women. So anyway, I went to the SIM. I couldn't do it all, but I could do a few sessions. And I connected. I wanted to connect with this one person that spoke. And was able to talk to her, you know, for a few months on the phone here and there. And finally in January, I did ask her to be my sponsor, which she agreed. And so that I could start really getting more involved in the fellowship. And, um, you know, and I am, I think I'm more like 99%. I accept that I'm a sexaholic and I cannot get sober unless I accept that, you know. And um, the loneliness is not as uh, much in my life. Uh, it, it, it's there, you know. I you know, now this pandemic, you know, I'm more or less at home, except for all those necessary, necessary, um, uh, you know, grocery shopping, doctor's appointments, post office banking. So, you know, um in this Zoom possibility, you know, I'm just, it's like a whole new world happened, you know. 'Cause I was just connected with my little group and then this woman who died in two thousand and nineteen. So when I, you know, open up to Zoom, I think there's people all over the world and they're they're excited. And these women, you know, these women's groups, they're there's young ones and they're all excited. I go, Whoa, you know, I didn't know about that world because I was in this other world, you know. And um and so uh very, you know, parochial and kept it in my territory um so it's been it's been just a a awakening to me to um uh come back to SA at this point and and experience this worldwide organization and a lot of women uh involved uh and um that's been heartening you know and I know currently I'm working on having joy in my life and um I realized that um, God also wants me to have joy. And I realized that when I do God's will, or at least in alignment with His will, that I can have some joy. And I also realized that my quality, the quality of my life, has gone up. My relationships with my family, with my neighbors, with the ch- with my church uh, acquaintances with the other women that I that I'm in friendships involved with the quality has gone up it's like you know it's like a miracle my family wants even to be around me you know they uh and I'm able to be of service to them i mean these are like uh astonishing to me you know i mean they're just little things but you know when you don't have it you don't have it so you know, I'm just I'm just really grateful for this, and and I I just want to say to the, anybody that's a newcomer is struggling, keep coming back. It works. Just keep coming. No matter no matter what happens, keep coming back because that has been my story. But I, it, that's the one thing I did right in essay. I kept coming back, no matter what. I kept coming back, and I am ever so grateful that. Um, I have a higher power that's willing to walk this journey with me, and I have fellow sexaholics that are willing to walk this journey with me. And I'm so, so grateful. Thank you. That's all I want to share.
2: Hi, uh, my name is Yaakov, and I'm a sexaholic. Hi, Um. Thank you so much. It was amazing to hear um, especially that you're so many years in SA and you just kept coming. Um, that's amazing. I wish to do the same. Um, I wanted to ask about something you said at the beginning that, uh, you feel like lots of the, of the running away, I can, I think I can call it, by, um, by your father that uh, hit you. And, um. Today I finished writing my first uh, my first step and I noticed that um, I'm very angry at my parents that they fought a lot when I was a kid and that they forced me to take uh, stuff to make me concentrate but they like closed me up and stuff and I wanted to know um, how did you manage because I assume you'll have to um, or I'll have to how did you manage to stop blaming your father and I don't know, how just managed to stop blaming other people. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. That's a very, very good question. As you could tell in my share, I was, when I wasn't doing well in SA at the beginning, I thought it was SA's fault, not mine. Um, I think the God of my understanding has led me to the concept of forgiveness and how freeing forgiveness can be. And... I know my parents could not give me what they did not have. And they gave me what they did have. And um, they were also in their own way sick. And they didn't have something as wonderful as we have, like 12-step recovery. And I somehow was given that gift. And I know that in their way um they 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 did love me, and in my way, I loved them. um I just hated them for a long time <laughs> so though, so, um this is only going to cause me problems by like hanging on to anger, resentment, fear, all those negative emotions, and I asked God to show me to help me forgive them. I only hope that I could have done better. Because my dad died um, like seven years ago in t- 2014, and my mom died in oh six, And I, I, I just didn't have enough recovery to, to, to totally 100% forgive them. But I was on that journey. And I think, I think um, my higher power has really helped me and, and also um, being able to express myself uh, in these meetings where I'm at. It's helped also. Thank you. That's all I'll share.
3: Thanks, Liana. Uh, Siddharth has put a question in. chat. He says, you mentioned that you turn your life and will over to the care of God on a daily basis. What do you mean by that? And could you elaborate on it, please?
1: Well, I think the first three steps are really necessary for me uh, every day. You know, I have to recognize my powerlessness and how my life becomes unmanageable. I have to recognize that um, I come to believe over and over that God could restore me to sanity. And I had to find out how insane I really was. And I made a decision on a daily basis to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. Now, it doesn't matter if I don't mean it every day. But I have to turn to the steps, these first three steps, because it's, it's just the... The beginning, the beginning. Because when I can concentrate then on my part rather than other people's part, and I can concentrate on my spiritual fitness, what I need to do on a daily basis for my physical fitness, then then I can more easily turn my will and my life over to God. Thank you.
3: Thanks, Liliana. Uh, susie in idaho
4: thank you Liliana thank you for your wonderful share i really appreciate hearing you today um, i noticed one of the one of the things we have in common is um, the um, trigger of loss and grieving i know that for me anytime i'm uh, experiencing a lot of Grief as a result of somebody dying, usually that was that close to me, I'm at really high risk for acting out. And I just wondered if you have any uh, wisdom or strategies around uh, addressing that for yourself now that you also have identified several times in your life when loss and grieving really set you up for,
1: for a crash. Well, I remember the last time my dad was very ill. I didn't think he was going to die, but he, um, you know, he was 91, but I didn't think he was going to die. But we had had a, a, a thing, uh, a conversation where he, he lashed out at me, etc. cetera. And um, it hit one of my wounds. And I kept saying to myself, I will not self-destruct. I will not self-destruct. I will not self-destruct. I will not hurt myself. I will not self-destruct. I had to say that over and over. And unfortunately, um, I could, I I guess I could have used some, you know, somebody else's help at that time to talk it through a little bit. And I, I, I didn't do that. Um, and, um, I think that would be the only thing that could have probably helped me better than just repeating this mantra um talking it to some wise person in or out or in or out of the program about about this this hurt um and then he did die and so the grief of not having reconciliation so that's all I'll share, Susie for now. Thank you, Liliana
3: Hi, Susie. Uh, Arash, you got your hand up. Yes, I did.
5: Uh, thank you so much, Lina. Um I'm so grateful to hearing your story um, and also your recovery. Um, you mentioned about you're in two other fellowship. Actually, you were in those two fellowship before joining ESA. Uh, I would like to hear your experience. How much the two others, oh, yeah, and I think. Al you mentioned, have helped you uh, in your essay recovery?
1: Well, you know, in essay, you know, there were very um, sporadically a few women, but uh, um, there weren't very many women. So my other two fellowships had a lot of women, you know, the Al Anon and the, um, at that time it was overeaters. Now I belong to another food fellowship, but, and, you know, there were men also, but there were a lot of women and um you know and and i didn't feel like i could go out you know and have coffee with the with the guys you know i wasn't you know I, the only woman i wasn't going to do that um and i connected as best as i could with with the other women in the fellowship at the time uh but i think it helped me cuz you know it, you know it's like i can i hear things different from women different than I hear from men. And it has been very valuable since I kept coming back to hear men because I've grown in a lot of compassion um, for men and with men uh, as we, you know, but also I I had the steps more easily available to me um, with these other two fellowships. And unless I had a sponsor or some, you know it 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 didn't seem to happen in essay i think it's changed now but at that time it didn't and so i had the steps uh, and believe me even though i did the steps i, I didn't i didn't have a clue what what i was doing but i kept coming back and and so by now you know i'm so grateful for the steps and but those other two fellowships have kept the the 12 step thing inside of me the, you know the fire was lit so
5: that's how it's helped me. Thank you. Hey, Francis, on on the chat, there's another very similar question from yep. Thomas. Uh, I think Liliana has maybe answered it, but it says, could you tell, if you wish, what other programs you attend and how they help you in your recovery? I don't know if you wanted to elaborate a little. You've mostly answered that.
3: but Yeah, I just spotted that, Daniel.
1: What? what? Uh, well, I, currently, I, I, I also work with the sponsor in the Anon program, and I also with the sponsor Food Addicts and Recovery program.
3: Yeah, thanks, Lenny. Nancy. Nancy. Can't hear you, Nancy. No. Yes, go on. Yes, now we can now.
4: Um, Yeah, it's really good to see you, and I really appreciate your share. Uh, This is kind of – this question embarrasses me. I came in a long time ago. You came in a long time ago, longer ago than I did. And um, I'm jealous of people that came in in 1993 for me who have sobriety since 1993. And that's not been my experience. I had um, six years of just really not being sober and then a chunk of sobriety and giving that away. And now, by the grace of God, you know, another bunch of one day at a time is put together. And it kind of contradicts my, my philosophy because I really do think one day at a time. But there's that jealousy. And I wondered if that's something you face.
1: Well, you know, it is humbling to have lost my sobriety uh, those two times. Um, it is very humbling, and it would have been great if I would have been sober in 89 and just carried it through. Um, and my, unfortunately, my own um, character defects and, and shortcomings uh, were all, and lack of really understanding my own resentments. Etc. uh, played into that. And I just have to let it go. You know, I have to let it go. I, you know, um, (laughs) you know, I don't know how God is going to use all these, these, you know, those two major breaks and I don't know how God will use it, but you know, God uses, God uses everything. So I have to say that God will use uh, whatever I got so far. But you know, that's that's the way it is. And yeah, you know, it would have been great, you know, if I could say, Oh, my sobriety date is, you know, March the seventh, nineteen eighty-nine, but that's not that's not the facts, you know, and I and I just have, I accept it. I just have to accept it and I just um thank you for your um, you know just n- naming up to, you know, owning up to that t- little tinge of jealousy. <laughs>
3: Thank you. Thanks for sharing. Thanks, Liliana. We have uh, we've time for a couple more. If anybody wants to ask a question or share. Daniel's watching the chat. I'm watching the participant list, so feel free to go ahead. Anybody under 30 days, if you want to ask a question, that's fine.
6: Hi, this is Gabriele, a sexaholic from Germany. Do you hear me?
3: Yes, go ahead.
6: Um, Yeah, thank you, Liniana. I identify a lot. I was in in Germany when SA was um, just founded one or two years, 86. Um, I was first in SA and I was on a euphoria for a couple of months. And I also got involved with somebody from SA. I couldn't imagine ever to get married, but I wanted to have a child. And I thought, how can I have a child if I stay sober? And of course that, um, didn't work out. And yeah, I have a lot of, I'm, I'm, um, I'm ashamed to say that I got to know that I know SA since 86, but uh, it's so encouraging how you uh, talk about also about the breaks of um, sobriety, I I also had um, several relationships in between. And I'm not so sure if this was all wrong, to be honest, because um, my sponsor always says a mantra um, that things are meant to be as they are or as they were, like in the... From the book, uh, I mean, from the story, acceptance is the answer. I just want to say that I um, identify a lot. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.
3: Thank you. And Lee, go ahead. Your hand's raised.
7: Hi, Leon, I really, really appreciate uh, what you had to say. I related to it a lot. Uh, you know, your experience in SA uh, with this large group of men uh, is certainly not unusual, but it was my experience when I went to OA that I was literally the only guy there. Uh, and it was quite challenging. So um, I was also an AA and I've done some Al-Anon. Uh, the numbers of programs available is daunting. And uh, it, it, I think the ones that are most challenging to me are the ones I have to deal with every day, uh, such as food and lust, because I lust after food as much as I lust after sex, and uh, that's a problem. And of course, relationships uh, never go away either for the Al-Anon program, so, but you can put the plug in the jug in AA. So how is it that you have decided how to balance all these programs? Because that's been an ongoing challenge for me. So uh, do you have any uh, comments or experiences on balancing multiple uh, addictions? So that's all.
1: Yes, uh, that that is a challenge. During the pandemic, of course, I have more time at home. So. My spiritual um, practices, I can more do, and I do more Zoom. I do more meetings than ever. And I always look forward to uh, my home meetings and other meetings uh, on the Zoom. Um, as long as I'm working the steps, I'm, I'm more or less happy. You know, I, I just have to do that. Um, I have to work the steps, uh, and I'm able to do that uh, continually in my in my food program. Um, in my Alanon program, um, I'm so determined to um, get along with my relatives. <laughs> so, so I'm so grateful for them and their wisdom. They have a lot of wisdom. In my essay program, I'm also determined to be sober, but and also to be in recovery. So, it, so it's it's um, it's only challenging for me when I have five Zoom meetings in one day. You know, it it just it's too much for my head to buzz around with, and um, and so I have to sort of uh, discipline myself in that regard. But sometimes these meetings are this is just a once a month meeting or something like that. Um, And I'm glad, you know, I only have three because I qualify for more. But you know, I only can practically do three. So so I'm very grateful that that um, that I that I have program and home meetings. Here in San Diego on Zoom. And um, it is less of a challenge, actually, since I am stuck at home for the most part right now. That's all I got to share. Thank you.
3: Thanks, Liviana. Right, we've got two more questions, and then we'll have to call time. So, run.
1: Uh, hi, I'm Simone from India. Uh, I'm really great to listen to you,
6: Indiana. Uh, and I really relate to uh, so many things, uh, child abuse, trauma, and uh, codependency. I'm grateful that uh, at the age of 22,
2: I get essay recovery. Uh, I
1: wanted to connect you. So is there any uh, source so I can contact you? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um i will I will give permission to the uh, person who does this to give my contact information,
3: uh,
1: and they will give it to you. Thank the, you. the person who does this Zoom meeting right now, they, they have all my contact information, and they will send it to you. I'm also on what apps. Um, but they will send you my contact information. Okay. Thank then Thank you.
3: That will be. I will do so, Simran. This is Luke. I will. I will do it in private chat to you now. Thanks, Luke. And uh, finally, for this series, we'll have to ask. Uh, uh, it's Buddy who will have the final question tonight.
5: Thanks, Liliana. I'm Buddy. I'm a recovering sexaholic. Um, I didn't actually have a question. I just want to share. Um, I've been a member of A.A. since 1980 and Al-Anon also since 1980, um, sexually sober since December of 97. Um, I was fortunate. I came to SA in 97. I got sober and, and I stayed sexually sober. What I didn't know was that my whole life, one of the things that triggers me, I've been in in. PTSD from a near-death experience when I was eight, um, it, an experience where when my brother did die, um, I was rescued. Um, my sponsor been telling me for years to go to the Alcoholics Anonymous, the big book, page 133. It says right in it right there, God has abundantly supplied this world with fine doctors, psychologists, and practitioners. Um, we should never belittle a, little, uh, a good doctor or psychiatrist. Um, February of last year, when I came home from Madrid, I was stuck in, in my child. I was triggered from, from the trauma, from the neglect. Um, I finally got a good psychologist and actually now am working through the trauma. Um, but I was, I was at that point 63, 64 years of age but I was operating through the eyes of an eight-year-old and had no idea what was going on. Um, So I'm grateful that for AA gave us the foundation for this program. I'm grateful for Al-Anon because it saved my family's life. And uh, I'm grateful for the big book that I finally read it and got a psychologist. (laughs) So that's all. Thanks for sharing. Thank you.